welcome to the uh, Big Island Hawaii Ultra podcast. This is show number six. We're lucky enough to have uh, Dr. Michelle Suver here today to interview. Um, she's an ultra runner. She's a doctor. She's a mother. She's certainly got a lot on her plate right now. And uh, she's, uh, she gives us a lot of very, very good, positive, upbeat advice. And uh, we get a chance to learn a little bit of the backstory of Michelle. Uh, she's a great person to be around, and uh, hopefully uh, you'll get uh, some very good vibes out of this uh, show. So again, uh, Dr. Michelle Suber, and you can contact us at joe at joefireball.com. And you can also donate to the podcast if you'd like, uh, maybe a cup of coffee of the podcast uh, at uh, patreon.com forward slash Hawaii Ultra. And you can also visit our website at uh, hawaiiultra.com. So please enjoy. Aloha. We have uh, Michelle Suber here today to come talk to us. Aloha, Michelle. How are you? Aloha. Happy Sunday. Thank you to you as well. And thank you for the time. Uh, I appreciate that. You know, I know that you have a whole family thing going on. I think I saw earlier, was that a cat or a dog? Did you see a cat? Yeah, yeah I, I think. I have two little cats, and uh, cat. one is threatening to come and join us, so she might uh, just walk over soon. We'll see. Cats are more than welcome. Cakeys are more than welcome. Husbands, anything else that comes in. Mice. Thank you. I have mice here, so every once in a while I get a mouse that comes in. Well, thank you for inviting me to be on your show. And uh, first of all, um, I probably should introduce you as Dr. Michelle Suber. But I, since I know you, it's kind of, we're pretty informal here in Hawaii, as most everybody knows. So how about, I don't really know where you grew up. I don't know where you went to high school. I don't know anything about that. Where, where are you originally from? Are you from Hawaii? I'm not from Hawaii, but I have lived here since 1998. Uh, I hail from the small South Georgia town of Thomasville. Yes. You'll catch it in my accent every now and then, possibly. Um, <clears throat> but I have been away from the South for a very long time. I went to undergraduate school at Florida State in Tallahassee. Oh. And then moved to Portland, Oregon, where I spent five years in um, studying naturopathic medicine and then moved to Hawaii in 1998. Wow, so Georgia, Florida, and Oregon and Hawaii. Yes, I just kept going west. <laughs> Was this to get, get, get away from the rest of your family like I did? Well, that's a really good question. Um, <clears throat> when I graduated with a degree in biology, I was um, not really sure what I was going to do yet. Um, I was interested in evolutionary biology. I was interested in medicine, but in all of the volunteering that I did in conventional medicine, I really knew that that was not my direction. So. I was hired by a startup company in Atlanta, Georgia, to represent them for the state of Oregon 
And my job was to travel around the state and sell vascular access devices um, and introduce pacemakers and that sort of thing. So um, oh, wow, that is actually what got me to Oregon. And I had a great time there. I was terrible at that particular job um, <laughs> because I didn't care. I didn't care about yeah. vascular access devices and I didn't care about, I mean, not that they aren't valuable, but just it wasn't my heart and soul. So I didn't last very long doing that, but I got a chance to move to Oregon and see the whole state. And um, at that point in time, there were very few places to study naturopathic medicine and Portland, Oregon was one of those places. So it was really only after discovering that that profession even existed that I realized my real reason for being in Oregon, and that was to um, register for naturopathic medical school. So that's oh. what I did. Oh, yeah. wow. When you were in high school and college and stuff, were you on any sports teams? I mean, were you soccer, anything like that? I was a cheerleader. Oh, awesome. How about that? <laughs> so, um, yes, I was a cheerleader all through high school. Um, we had a very athletic squad, but it doesn't count as a competitive. Well, I guess it kind of is a competitive sure, sport. Sure, It is. It is now, especially. Um, but, yes, I did cheerleading in high school. And, you know, I, I'll – jump ahead and say I didn't start running until I was 41. So um, oh, wow. I have a long history of being athletic and being interested in fitness um, and dancing. I had a, have a background in gymnastics and in ballet and jazz um, and all of the ballroom dances. So I actually taught ballroom dance and West Coast Swing for about 20 years. Oh. So, um, I have a lot of history and I taught aerobics and I taught, um, you know, I worked in a gym and, and did training and did all kinds of things like that for um, lots of years. And so it was only much later that I became interested in running. So the, the uh, athletic lifestyle essentially and always uh, healthy uh, nutrition probably. Well, the nutritional part really came, you know, along with naturopathic um, training, naturopathic medical school. That's really where I learned about the importance of nutrition and how to apply that to my life specifically. And that's an ongoing process. I think for anyone that's interested in nutrition, there's always more to learn. There's always more to refine. There's always... Um, places where we can be more, um, more refined, more individual. So yeah, yeah we're there. Education. Every day is an education about uh, so many, many things. I think. Did you have uh, brothers and sisters when you were, uh, you know, back in Georgia and stuff? Yes. I have a younger brother. He is 18 months my junior, and he still lives in Atlanta, Georgia. And we are as different as two people can be, but I love him very much. Um, yes, he's great. He's great, and we're very close. Oh, oh that's good. Uh, hopefully, if Sean Blanton, the run bomb, who's from Georgia, if he's, he's watching and stuff, he can give us a shout-out and stuff, too. I saw All Sean right. just – he just had a good post recently about he's a race director – 
does all kinds of ultra events and about how, what he's going through right now. But uh, your brother's okay. Everything's everybody in the family is more or less okay back there. Thank you. Yes, they are. And so you get to college, you decide that uh, you don't want to necessarily sell medical stuff, but then you're in Oregon and you go to what school, what's uh, uh, naturopathic schools did you go to there? Yes, um, the school that I went to is National College of Naturopathic Medicine. It's now Natural, I'm sorry, National College of, I'm sorry, gosh, National <laughs> University of Natural Medicine. They changed the name long after I left. So well, uh, that's a, it's okay. My high school from when I was in high school in Chicago is no longer around. <laughs> they totally eliminated the high school and they changed my college from, uh, I went to school in Minnesota and it was Mankato State when I went there, but now it's the University of Mankato or, or something like that. So how does a how does a high school just go away? What happened? Uh, it was a, uh, a res resurrectionist uh, priest. Uh, um, it wasn't a Jesuit school, a Catholic high school in Chicago. There were two, probably two or three of them. There was uh, Gordon Tech, which was my high school, DePaul High School. And they eventually just kind of ran out of students. Um, I mean, there, there wasn't the popular, the Catholic population moved to the suburbs, which they didn't then want to go to, to, our, to our school. I mean, when I went there, it was all Polish and Italian. And, you know, we were, it was integrated and everything. So it wasn't, it, it was diverse, but not that diverse. And then it just, they closed it. I, I didn't know about it until I was logging on, looking for classmates to see if any classmates were still alive. And then it was like, well, your school's no longer there. It's like, wow. Wow. Okay. It happens. So right when you got your doctorate and everything, did you go immediately into practice in Oregon or? Good question. So um, <clears throat> I moved straight to Hawaii. And I, I moved here right after med school to do a, an integrative medicine residency program at North Hawaii, right in Waimea. Oh, okay. And so in 98, uh, this was pretty novel to have a naturopathic doctor come and be on staff in a hospital setting. And uh, so I got to help create this new program. And so I worked with one other naturopathic doctor and a pediatrician, a cardiologist, a gynecologist, and an internist. And we did rotations together in the hospital and worked on policy changes for the hospital. And then I worked with them in their offices as well. So it was a very cool learning experience. Um, I spent my first year here doing that full time and then opened a private practice the next year, half-time, and then did residency half-time my second year. And then I have been practicing um, since then. I thought I would just stay for a year or two, and uh, now it's been 22 years that I've been living here and, and practicing medicine in Waimea. Well, uh, did you, was there any, had you been to Hawaii before that, or? Uh, I came to Hawaii just a couple years before that. A girlfriend of mine was visiting Kauai, and she 
invited me over our spring break to, she was there for a month, but she invited me to come for a week of that time during my spring break. And I uh, went and spent a week with her and I hiked the Kalalau Trail, uh, completely underprepared for that, but I still love the experience. And then I came back a few months later and visited Maui, Big Island. I went back to Kauai, I went to Oahu. I did some preceptor hours on all of those islands and I, I was hooked pretty early um, on Hawaii overall, but especially the Big Island. Yeah, it's funny how that, that uh, it's a pretty con fairly common story when people get here, they either realize, well, this is a nice place to visit, or this is where I want to spend the rest of my life. And I didn't know that I wanted to spend the rest of my life here, but I knew that I loved it. And I knew that I wanted to spend at least some time. And I knew that I needed some sunshine after living in Portland for <laughs> five years. I, I needed a little just blue sky and warmth and I just needed to dry out a little bit um, and I didn't know it was going to take uh, the next up the next 22 years plus but I'm so grateful that it worked out the way that it did. Yeah I have, I have a nephew who lives in Portland and I went and visited him once and uh, his idea you know he kept bragging to me about how oh, you know five minutes away we're in the we're in the country outside of Portland and um, I said, so can we go out there? And, we, and he said, well, no, I never go there. Why? <laughs> so, Why didn't he go there? He's, he's a geek. He, he's got that okay. geek. Plus, he, he's, he has Asperger's, so he's socially unresponsive to a lot of things and, and everything. But he's doing great. He's you know, a very, very bright kid and everything. And, uh, but it was funny. I mean, well, why don't you go? Let's drive up the Columbia River Gorge. Let's let's go up and watch. Just go watch, climb up where that waterfall is and stuff. And did you talk him into it? Yeah, we actually did a little road trip where I talked him into it by saying, "Hey, there's uh, uh, some brew pubs. There's some breweries up here. We can go get a beer." And we went and did the gorge. And then I said, "Well, if we go up farther." we can go to this and he says now let's head back and i knew there was one more that last exit before the city there was that old it was an old vineyard that's been turned into a brewery and stuff and we sat there and had a beer and he kind of looked around and went yeah i could probably ask a girl to come here too yeah yeah there you go there you go dude get that connection he did his uncle joe to come and help him like establish himself there you go. Social, no, not social distancing, but the whatever the opposite of social. The opposite, distancing. yes, socializing. Socializing, exactly. <sighs> Speaking somewhat of social distancing, since we are all kind of social distancing mm -hmm. in a way and stuff, you got quite a. How many people? How many kids you got? And I don't even know exactly how many. You want to know about my family constellation? Your, yes, your family universe there. Yes. Well, um, I'm married to a man named Buzz Hollander, and I have two kids, Eve and Audrey. And Eve is 11 years old, and Audrey is seven years old. 
And we also live with my husband's father, who is 86 years old, and he just moved in with us this fall. And so uh, we're a family of five. We have two cats and five chickens. And uh, that makes up our little sheltered at home um, group. Well, congratulations on the chickens and the cats, certainly. Thank you. And we must include those because if I don't and my kids see this in the future, they will be uh, very sure to tell me that I neglected to um, include very important family members. Yeah, how, how the kids are doing okay and stuff. They have kind of room to run around in and, and everything. Yes, um, we are so lucky to live where we do um, in Hawaii generally, but we live in Pawilo Malka. We are on a property where there's plenty of space for them to run around. We have a pool. No one is around anywhere. We have a sauna. They're, they're, they miss their friends. They miss school. But of all places to um, be still for a while, this is a great, great place to do that. So they're, they're happy. And, and We're lucky. We're so blessed. Thank you for not posting like this is this is a, uh, <clears throat> a shout out to my friends who constantly post the, the great food that they're having each night, which I'm not privy to. <laughs> and also the, their ocean view of their beautiful house or condo overlooking the Pacific and all those other things that not everybody, you know, has. And, you know, it's it's we are lucky indeed. I mean, I'm. 8.8 miles, I had to measure it finally, away from Mono Road, where I, you know, or it's a nice place to go out and run. Getting more and more busy each, each day, which is why, partially why I don't do it. I've been going either very early, like particularly mm -hmm. Saturday or Sunday, or going Monday through Friday, because it's still not too busy Monday through Friday. But it sounds like you guys don't have to really interact with anybody if you don't want to. Have you gone out and run any place other than by the house? You know, I, well, I was on Mana Road about three weekends ago, and there were a lot of people out there. I was really surprised. Um, mostly I just run right in my neighborhood. Yesterday, I went into Kalopa Park, and... Yeah. I learned that it's just the campground and the community areas that are closed, but I think the trails are still open. So, um, yeah, and I didn't know. approach through the parking lot. I went, a, a neighbor has um, a trail that gets you into the park without having to go into the big, you know, the, the parking yeah. lot. Yeah, so that was pretty awesome. I was the only person there. Um, I'm fairly confident <laughs> about that. And there were a lot of trees down too. So um, I can tell no one has been working on those trails, but it was nice to be out there. Yeah, that's kind of the debate I, I have like right now. My neighborhood is, I'm uh, uh, Mahua Street, you know, kind of the big honking tree right, right there. And yes. it's a great neighborhood and people are great here. But now there's so many people out, either walking dogs, walking their kids, uh, you know, doing what they're doing, which is great. I think it's great. But I, I really think I'm probably safer even now going out to Manaw Road because there's usually less, less people, a little bit more distance and stuff. Although right. 
today was funny. I'm running back down. Just did a did a P-man race today because there was supposed to be a P-man, cool. but uh, we're everybody's hopefully is not uh, grouping up. But uh, as I was coming running back down, there were two people on either side of the road running, and they kept running on either side of the road. So I kind of had to go. Well, okay, I stopped and pulled. You know walked off to the side of the road and finally the one person looked up and went oh and then she went in behind the other I person see. you know which is kind of like never had to even think about that before isn't it so strange that we have to think about things like that now oh and i i did a i was brave i did a costco trip uh this last week and shout out to everybody at costco tim wiley who's a good friend and Doris and all the people that I know at Costco, they're, they're, they're doing a, a great job of trying to keep people safe. And I got in with the Kapuna group, the early old people group, and uh, it, everything went smooth and stuff. Although even then, I know I'm pulling my cart around and I got this dude following me. <laughs> and it's like, what do you mean following you? He was headed towards the same direction I was, but he kept staying like right behind me. And it was kind of like, are you like, back off, man? <laughs> I, I did do that. I did it at the post office, though. Um, you know, they have us lined up in the post office now and stuff. And, you know, I'm talking, I know everybody, everybody at the post office knows me and I know them. And uh, I was just talking to uh, one of them. And all of a sudden, the guy's right next to me talking to somebody. And I kind of, I went, and I just, all I did was look at him and he went, oh, yeah, I guess I should be back farther. He got the message quickly. Yeah, it's 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 uh, interesting times. You had you had to cancel a race, or it wasn't technically a race. It was a a journey that you wanted to do. Can you explain that a little bit? Yes, sure. So uh, back in the fall, my friend Samantha De La Vega from Portland, Oregon asked me if I would be interested in running the rim to rim to rim uh, in the Grand Canyon. And honestly, this is, though it is a bucket list sort of adventure for a lot of runners, it had never really crossed my mind to want to do it. And so I was really thrilled when she invited me to join her. And I said, yes, please, let's do it. And we set a date. And as I got closer um, and, and started to really dig into some of the logistics and the details and the history of running that amazing place, I got very excited about doing that trip. And I really see why so many people do it every year. And um, it was a hard decision to let that go. but. Um, it was the right thing to do. We were going to do it um, March 16th. So it was really, it was before the park started making any changes. Yeah. Um, but things were starting to accelerate at that time. And so there were a couple of weeks before um, in which I was going back and forth and just, I, I it, it was hard to let that go, but it was the right decision. I feel fine about it now. And I hope we'll do it again. I, I would be really excited to do that this fall or next spring. 
I think I would only want to do it fall or spring um, because of the heat down in the canyon. Um, but uh, I, I am really, I'm excited about the possibility of doing that in the future. Isn't, isn't Davy Crockett's website or uh, podcast great? Uh, it's great. It's amazing. so much fun. And the, the story about the family that lived there for on and off for 30 years, the artist and um, his children and, oh, that was a fantastic story. And I know when I do make it through the canyon at some point, I will think about what it must have been like for them to live there. What a, what a wonderful way to grow up. What a wonderful life experience. Yeah, very, very special. Uh, I'll throw another race, or not a race, but another trip out to you if you haven't never heard about it. Uh, uh, you can go down to the Havasupai Indian Reservation, which is just uh, west, uh, yeah, west of uh, the main Grand Canyon area. Have you done that? I did that in 1978 or something like that. It was me the early 80s and stuff. I was, uh, we were taking kids from Aspen High School for during for their senior trips and this one senior trip was out to have a soup Indian reservation an entire week 18 mile hike down into the uh, reservation and just past there are two 40 foot blue water uh waterfalls wow, it's, wow. If, if you go ahead and search online for have waterfalls it's very spent one of the wonders of the world wow and, I highly recommended recommend uh, you got to sign up now. Back then we had to get a permit, but it, there was no waiting, not much of a waiting list and stuff. But yeah. And once you go down, once you, have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? Only when I was about nine years old. And it was like, we drove up, there it is. <laughs> and we got back in the car and we were gone. So I, I, I barely even remember what it was like. So I'm, it'll, it'll be like new. We'll say it like that. Oh, well, yeah, it'll be fresh, fresh in your, you know. Very you. much so. so. What other races uh, have you got signed up for or hoping this will do this year? Yes. Um, my favorite, well, maybe. I've got a lot of favorites, but the one that got me started even running in the first place is in July in Alaska, and it's called Crow Pass Crossing, and it's in um, it's mid-July, and it's a point to point, about 23 miles, and goes from, um, you know, the Crow Pass Trail that starts in Gir Girdwood and then en ends up at Eagle River Nature Center. And I've done that race three times, and it uh, absolutely pushes me to my max every time. And uh, registration opens for that in just a couple weeks. So, um, so far, I don't see anything on the website about cancellation, so I have my fingers crossed that I can do that race again in July. How'd you run and into then that I also, race? How'd you, what's run that? First, how'd you run into that race first? Is that Samantha? How did I run into that race? Oh, wow. Well, um, when I was six months pregnant with our second daughter, we were, we were visiting Alaska and staying in this... Um, ski lodge of these amazing um, valley athletes 
runners and cross country skiers. And one of the folks living in the place where we were staying has won that, maybe two of them have won that race multiple times. And there was an article about one of them winning the race up on this trophy wall. Oh, wow. And here I was about to have a baby. I wasn't even a runner. And I saw this article and I just thought, I want to do that race. I want to, I want to have that experience. And of course, it's really, you know, to, I look back on it now and I think, why did I pick this really super hard Alaska mountain race as my first real race, first real race that I even cared about? I don't know. I can't answer that. As a but I did lady. it. As a pregnant lady from Georgia. <laughs> a pregnant lady from Georgia, exactly. So um, three months after our daughter was born, I started running and then did that race about um, 15 months later and, um, and then did it two years later and then two years later. So this will be my fourth time to do it if, I, if, if the race happens. And uh, if I'm lucky enough to be able to be there, I'll do it one more time. Yeah, and so, people, I know a lot of people will say, well, it's only 23 miles. It's not even a marathon, but that doesn't tell any of the story, I assume. I think you know. I think you understand. Um, read about it if you get a chance. It's a spectacular experience. Um, it takes you up onto this beautiful pass and then down into this glacial valley, and you cross this icy cold um, river. And then you're just going all along the river for the whole second half of the trip. And the trail is washed out and there are bears and there are bees and you're kind of swimming through the brush and blowing your bear whistle every five minutes. And I mean, it is just, it's such an experience. I just love it. And, um, and I'll say that I have been within 10 minutes of the cutoff all three times I've done it. And I'm not usually a back of the pack runner. I'm like a middle normal kind of runner, but that's just how hard this race is. It just, it just has pushed me to, uh, to my limit. So I, I just, I love it. I think that's, I mean, uh, a lot of what people do that are in ultras, it's about limits. You know, um, I was listening or uh, this morning during the run uh, to another podcast where they were talking about Rob, uh, Rob Steger was talking with uh, a former Navy SEAL and he says, it's not interesting unless you experience something that you don't have control over and don't, you, you don't have, Oh, I know how to do this. Right. It's really, it's really not interesting after a while where you go, no, I want to be in something where I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we should be careful what we wish for, but we want to grow just a little when we do these, when we have these experiences, we want to see what we're capable of. We want to just expand just enough, um, just as much as we can handle. Um, so Rob, it was in a Saint, this, the uh, Bigfoot races. And that's another one that I'm doing this summer. Um, oh, you signed up for Bigfoot? Miler, Bigfoot. I'm hope. I'm hopeful that I can do that one too. So uh, maybe Rob, I bet Rob is doing the 200 this year. 
you know, I was listening. I mean, what he was saying this morning, or at least the last, whenever that, that podcast was recorded, was he's now trying to get back into a rhythm. I, I'm, I know he signed up for all three, I'm pretty sure. But I don't know if Michelle is going to be able. Right now, Michelle hasn't canceled any of those that I know of. Candice, right? Candice, I mean, sorry. Yes, she stated um, in a, a post maybe about two or three weeks ago that as of now, the races are on. Um, but of course, we just have to wait and see how everything unfolds and see what the Forest Service is allowing, see what travel can actually happen. So I think we all just need to train with a certain open-mindedness about backup plans and, you know, the, the willingness to have things change. Yeah. And I mean, that's the ultimate definition of uh, uh, ultra, you know, things change. It's True. like Rob was saying, okay, I've gotten to mile 50 and all of a sudden everything changed. Uh, I got another 50 to do. Right. Well, uh, how do I do it and stuff? Oh, yeah, a shout out to Michelle and, and Rob both and Matt Daniels. Eventually, I'm going to I'm going to interview Matt, um, you know, because Matt used to live here and stuff. So we'll get around. It, 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 he's on he's on the list too, the, the, the long list of people. Oh, I'd love to hear from both of them. Yeah, I want to hear from Lauren. I, I want to hear, hear from Lauren about her uh, Olympic experience. Mm -hmm. Got into the Olympic race there, or the qualifier race and everything. So after that race, what was your next ultra? What was the next challenge that you kind of, I mean, besides getting, you know, getting your degree and starting a practice and everything, what, what was the next race that you kind of have great memories about? Oh, right. So um, I actually don't race a lot. I'm, I'm not a big racer. I've only done one ultra, um, and that was Bigfoot last summer. Um, and then of course, Crow Pass, I've done three times and, um, I like to do local races here. I love to do the run for the dry forest. I love to do the race at the, um, Ka'u Coffee. Um, oh, that race is horrible. Horrible. I mean, it's horribly hard, um, but it's real. I love it. I love the challenge of that race. Hey, um, DFL last year for me. What's that? DFL last year for me. Oh, really? Really? Passed. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was actually signed. Well, did I sign up last year? I was in the middle of moving last year, and my plan was actually to, on the day of the race, I was going to go and race and then come back here and finish moving. And I, and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't in the plan. Uh, so I ended up missing it this past year, but that's one of my favorites. Conditions were perfect. Oh, really? Do you say in jest? <laughs> no, they were actually really, really good this year. Or last year. Last year. Yeah. I, I like those. I like those low-key local races. Um, those are really fun. Uh, gosh, what else? I've done a couple races in Alaska. Another one out in McCarthy, Alaska. A half marathon there. That was just a blast. Um, but I like to just pick, I like to pick one or two kind of big things every year and really focus on those. And if I have a chance to recon 
for a race. Um, I think I like doing that almost as much as the race itself. Really? Um, I, I do. I do. I love to um, train really hard, but then go and, you know, experience the course on my own beforehand, if possible. Yeah. And um, I've had some fantastic adventures doing that. <laughs> so that's good. That's good. I, you know, I asked, uh, I usually ask people. So if you have a uh, dream race, a race that you would always want to do that, you, you know, you, maybe you can't get into it, you can't qualify for, you know, and some oh. people will say Boston, uh, you know, for a road race and stuff. But a lot of people will of course say Western States, um, any interested, any interest in doing something like Western States? I mean, it's a hundred. I mean, sure. Why not? I, I, I mean, that's like the race of all races. Um, you know, if I ever got to that point where I thought I could run that far and then I could get in, um, I, I think that'd be an amazing experience. My favorite type of race, the thing, the things that I'm most attracted to are being in the kind of wild, big open places where there aren't a whole lot of people and I can feel like I'm out there in nature, mostly by myself, but with these great runners that I come in contact with just here and there. Um, so I think there are a lot of races out there that I just don't know about yet. And I'd love if there are any viewers that have any ideas, I'd love to hear them. But I like getting out into big, wild, beautiful places and, um, you know, just experiencing a lot of new terrain in one long day. That's really fun for me. Yeah, I did, uh, uh, was it Rocky Raccoon last year? And, uh, uh, oh, the Brazos Bend, or not the Brazos Bend, the, oh, I can't remember the name of the race I did in December in Texas. A lot, it seems like there's a lot of races in Texas because the race directors have an opportunity to not have to deal with too many uh, government entities. They can go to a ranch and say, hey, can we do a race here? And the rancher goes, you, you give me a thousand bucks, sure, you can do anything you want on the ranch and stuff and makes it easier for them to set up races, which is not to diss any of the race directors in Texas. They, Rob and those guys do uh, from uh, uh, Trot and stuff. They do a great job uh, in all the races that they set up. But yeah, most of the races I find, the only races I really am, I guess it's a fear, not a fear, but tree roots, man. Oh. Tree roots. <laughs> Tell me about that. Oh well, no, that's that's no, that's just nightmares. Uh, that's that's as you get older, you can't see the trail. Mm. Now, what what do you uh, as far as your shoes? What kind of shoes do you run in? My trail, my favorite trail shoes right now are the Saucony Peregrines. Um, they fit my foot perfectly. They tear up. The top is not very durable, so my toes end up destroying the tops of those. But the grip on those is awesome. I really, for the running that I do at Kalopa, very rooty, lots of wet rocks, lots of stones, lots of uneven, slippery terrain. Um, those shoes are so trustable. So, and then I wear some um, 
I've been wearing some Solomon Road shoes recently, and um, that's new. That wasn't a plan. I won those at the auction at the um, Dry Forest, so no. I thought, okay, I'll I'll give them a try, and and so far so good. I I like them. So. Yeah, do you uh, do you wear in Gigi socks or any special sock or anything? I just wear socks I like. They're just plain old wool <laughs> socks. You and you and Sean Mishler, same thing. I mean, I would love to be, um, you know, have lots of special gear to um, promote, but I, I'm I'm very simple about that. Like just whatever. I don't have any problems with any socks. I don't have any real favorite socks. Nutrition bag, you know, uh, the Solomon vest or anything. What, like for my hydration pack? Yeah. What kind do I use? I have an Ultimate Direction, yeah. and I have a Nathan pack, and I'll I'll switch switch those out depending on what I'm doing and where I'm going and how much I need to carry. Yeah, yeah. Any uh, other gear that you want to potentially get somebody to donate to you or help you out with? Oh, good question. Well, I'm interested in trying poles. Oh. Um, I really have not gotten into that yet. I have some hiking poles, but they're clunky for running. And I'm kind of interested in learning to run with them for certain applications. I love to go up on Mauna Kea, and I certainly will use poles up there, but just hiking poles. Um, so... Yes, I, I'm kind of interested in checking those out and seeing what that would be like and, and just knowing how to use them well if I'm in a place that would make um, good sense to use them. Yeah, I, you know, the first time I got uh, kind of thought about polls is I actually saw Mikey Brown. He was running up Mono Road and he was meeting a bunch of the people, might have been you in that group, that was coming all the way from the other side. And he was using poles, and I went, eh, I got some races coming up that I have no idea what the terrain is really like. Hmm. I should probably get some poles. So I got some poles. They weren't super expensive, like the Lecti poles, but they were carbon fiber. And, yeah, take time to actually understand, you know, what's going on there because they will be a big help. They definitely will be a big help in certain situations. Right. And did you end up using them in your uh, races? Yeah, in Rocky Raccoon, I used them. Uh, the other race I did in December was pretty flat, so that wasn't really necessary. I used them at uh, Ka'u, which... Oh, you did? Yeah, I went, ah, oh, man, you know, the first part of Ka'u is just... I can't see where my fear, all that cut down brush and everything there. And I went, that's always where I'm slowest. You know, as you guys and somebody like Kendra Ignacio just go, just runs right past. Um, but yeah, the poles definitely helped. For me, they helped uh, more on the down because I'm not that confident going down. How are you? It sounds like, you know, you don't have any problems as far as, you know, you don't roll your ankles, knock on wood, and you get, you're pretty stable, yeah? Well... That's a loaded question. Injury. I, I'm getting more stable. You know, my first couple of years, I rolled my ankles a lot. And I have not done that in a while now. But that's taken some work to 
stabilize my running and improve my form. So yes, I do have things that come up here and there, and I think it's all a part of the process of growing as a runner. We have an imbalance here and we correct that and then it sort of reveals an imbalance over there and we just keep working at it. We keep growing, we keep addressing um, what comes up. Right now, uh, I'm working on a knee issue, um, but it's, it's improving, it's gonna be okay. Uh, but and it's it's good timing right now to be addressing whatever it is that's causing that right yeah so uh, yeah yeah I mean it is an education in in uh, one you know yourself and and to learn I always stress to people it's important to learn the difference between there's pain I get up in the morning I have pain and then there's injury pain and if you don't understand that difference, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. I think that's very sound advice. So what, what's the knee issue, if you don't mind? Is it an ITB or is it just basic runner's knee? Or? No, it's fun. It's strange. Um, for a long time, I had some runner's knee in my right knee. And then about, I guess about five weeks ago, I did a run up on the R1. Yeah, which is <clears> becoming <throat> more and more crowded now. <laughs> oh, well, I have, really? I haven't been back up there again since then, but I did 20 miles on the R1. And as you know, that's just a lot of elevation change. It was yeah. on the Waimea side. Yeah, yeah, that first four miles. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know. So, um, and then my, my good knee started hurting after that. And then the next weekend I did all of Mana Road, 40 miles on Mana, the, you yeah. know, start to finish. And since then my good knee has been aching. And I think it's just, I think it's runner's knee. Um, it could be arthritis. I think that's a possibility. Um, I hope not, but, um, I'm working on it as if it's runner's knee. Oh, okay. How was it? Can you tell people maybe how you planned out your um, uh, complete mono road 40 miler there? I saw what you had posted, but. Yeah, sure. So the reason that I did the mono road trip was to bring the training cycle for rim to rim to rim to completion. Because oh. that trip was canceled, I felt like I needed a little adventure, a little something just to, you know, um, to just enjoy and to be out. I had been in my head for two weeks. I just need to get out and have some fun. So I, I planned that trip. So it was mostly unsupported. And because it's 40 miles long, um, after I dropped my kids off in school, their last day in school before their spring break and their extended spring break, I took water and I planted it every um, 10 miles um, and took pictures of where the water was hidden. And um, the next morning I got up and drove to the other side, the far side. And um, a friend of mine joined me for the first five miles. Brooke Kinsler joined me for that first part. Oh, okay. And then <clears throat> uh, bid me farewell and I kept on going and I, 
you know, got my water and collected it and, and did the whole thing. And then a different friend came and met me at the end and kind of uh, cheered me on for the last few miles. So as that was really a beautiful day out there, challenging at the end, um, but it was a gorgeous, was such a beautiful island that we live on. And it's so neat to go around the Mauna to be able to see um, Hilo and then come around and see Haleakala and then keep on coming around and see, you know, just to see the mountain, just to see the island unfold on a nice day and then pass my own neighborhood even on okay. Mana and know that, hey, home is only about six miles away. I could just hang <laughs> right, right here and be home in a few minutes but just to keep on going and, and finish it up and go all the way to Waimea is cool. It's, it's really a fun way to spend a day. And I'd love to do it again. Maybe I'll be brave enough to go uphill next time. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think I was, I was going to try and uh, join you that day, but there was another race or something going on. I could, I can't remember. Oh, it might've been uh, the path run that I had stuff to do for. And every day, or the the brew fest and stuff. Yeah, that was that was it. It wasn't it rainy though when you did mana that time. I thought it was. It was. Um, it was actually I did it two days sooner than I thought I was going to because the forecast said that a big front was coming in. That's right. So I moved it up, and I did get some thunder in the first maybe between miles five and ten. Um, some heavy thunder, and then it rained for about. I don't know, maybe the next five miles or so. And then it was classic big island, sun, clouds, rain, some more clouds, fog. And of course, coming into Waimea, I, I couldn't see 20 feet in front of myself. And you know, you know how it goes. Classic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the great thing about That's the great thing about there is when sometimes when you start out, it's like, cold and rainy and you go oh don't worry about it because you get as you get higher up it actually gets better that's right that's right anything can happen and on mana it's safe the whole time the worst that will happen is that you get chilly and wet um so it's okay yeah and it's and it's really it's it's tough to tell people how special it is because you have to actually be there to experience like when the ranchers come back come past you they usually slow down you know if it's dusty so you know and they everybody waves and it's still so much so much aloha and people will ask me sometimes well don't you feel afraid you're out there by yourself you know i don't how about you when you're out there running by yourself I feel safer out there running by myself than I do driving to Waimea. I feel totally 100% comfortable. I talk to the cows. I put on music and sing. I, I'm just, I'm totally at ease. Um, and you're right. People are so nice. I don't, we don't see very many people out there. Sometimes the four wheelers will go by a little on the fast side, but um, they always wave and smile and they're very nice. And I know that if something happened to me out there, I would be fine. And um, yeah, I feel 
absolutely at ease the, the whole way. And same with the R1, um, very comfortable out there alone. Yeah. Maybe that's naive. I don't know, but I, I feel uh, just for myself, that's one of my most comfortable, happy places. Yeah, I, I think I agree as far as I'd rather be naive than the other way, whatever the other way is. Nutrition. Fearful. What? Yeah, fearful. Yeah, <laughs> nutrition. I understand you're, let's see, I'll point to the tailwind here. You tailwind, don't you? Yes, I do like tailwind. Now, um, are you asking me how I like to fuel for my um, runs or something more general about my approach to eating and such? Let's start with your runs first, and then we'll go on to general eating and, and nutrition and stuff. How about that? Okay, sure. Um, tailwind works really well for me. I usually will take it a little on the dilute side, maybe about half strength. And um, you know, I philosophically, I like the idea of whole unprocessed foods, but I can just say from experience that Tailwind has been a very good friend of mine um, on every real long distance run that I've done. I've just really come to rely on that. So. Um, I will use that, and I don't eat as much as most people say one should, um, but I, I will take like a grilled cheese sandwich, and I've been known to start races and runs with a piece of fruit in my hand. Um, you know, I will run for the first few miles with an apple or a banana in my hand, and I'll eat that and eat sandwiches and... I don't eat a ton of junk food. I'm not a real, I don't love aid stations all that much. I'm, I'm, I mostly take everything for myself almost always. Um, so yeah, I'm still learning. I haven't done a lot of super long. PB, um, Fireball and uh, PB and J. You know, this is, you are educating our running community about fireball. And I, I, if I have ever experienced it, I don't remember it. Certainly not in the past 25 years have I tried fireball, but I hope I have a lot of life left in me and maybe someday I will. <laughs> what a crazy idea. Do you find that to be, I mean, obviously it's your, um, Oh, it's a, it's a tradition way before I, I mean, even as far back as I go, I kind of remember early doing fireball or we used to use uh, 151, uh, which you can actually around a campfire, you can actually blow flames with 151. Uh, oh, I don't know it. In a high enough alcohol content, but no, I'll, I'll do I might end up doing an entirely separate fireball episode someday with my good buddy Mike Rouse down from uh, Texas and stuff oh, but I'd love to hear about that <laughs> other nutrition your general uh are I don't know are you vegan are you paleo are you fireball or uh, uh what you call it uh bulletproof I'm I'm bulletproof kind of you're bulletproof um I am an epigenetic eater um <clears throat> I use a program that was created by Peter Diadamo that 
It's a, a software that corresponds your epigenetic expression to foods that are ideal for your um, genetic expression. And so that is what I use as the uh, backbone for the choices that I make nutritionally. Can you explain so, a little bit about epigenetic? Epigenetics. Well, epigenetics essentially means on top of genetics. So we have the genes that we are born with, and then we have the expression of those genes. And for about 70% of our genetic makeup, we are influenced by what we eat, what we drink, how we move, what we breathe. We're turning the volume up and down all the time on our genetic expression. And so there are foods that are friendly and um, helpful to your genetic expression that are different from foods that are helpful to my genetic expression. And so when I take patients through this process, I'll just give you a quick run through of what that looks like. I will ask them a lot of questions. I obtain their blood type. I find out if they are a secretor or a non-secretor, and that's done with another simple test. And then I look at things like the ratios between their femur and their lower legs, oh. the um, ratios between the lengths of these two fingers on each hand. I look at all the fingerprints. I look at the shape of the head. I look at marks on the um, dentition. And all of those go into a piece of software that um, statistically pools a person into one of six different epigenetic categories. And then it will also pair that with research-based food recommendations. So what a person will get when they go through that process is their superfoods, their neutral foods, and their foods best to avoid. And so I'm a nomad. That's my epigenetic family, which is appropriate for my um, hobby, I suppose. And um, I have been eating as a B-positive nomad for about the last six years. And it works for me. It's a varied diet. It's healthy. It's organic. It's, it's lo as local and unprocessed as possible. And I think I really think that's the most important thing about any diet is, you know, all of the diets, what they have in common is, you know, clean, unprocessed food. Um, I think you can do a lot of different diets correctly and do very well. But this is the one that works for me. This is the one that has, you know, that I have felt the best with of anything else I've tried. So in the nomad group, your nomad group and stuff, what would be some of the foods that would be good for you? And what would be some of the foods that are bad for you? Oh, okay. Well, I'll give you some of the common ones. So, um, you know, obviously the list of live foods, so the vegetables and the mushrooms, that's, there's a long list of superfoods in those categories, but in um, <clears throat> the meats and eggs and those kinds of things, um, lamb and turkey are good for me, but not chicken. Um, oh. Beef is a neutral food for me. Eggs are superfoods. 
um, and the beans like white navy beans are great for our great northern beans are superfoods but kidney beans are best to avoid I mean it's kind of boring honestly it's oh, um, no, no this is fascinating <laughs> food so, come on, it's food well, yeah, food is generally, I mean, I find it interesting, but I don't know how um, interesting it is for your listeners here, but um, there's nothing like, it's not carb heavy or protein heavy or low carb or, you know, it, it doesn't fit into any of those categories that people like to hang on to. It's real food. It's whole food. It's um, a varied diet um you know it's well what are what would be some of the foods for me, are, what are some of the foods that would be bad for you okay so things on my no list would be like chicken and coconut and avocado and tomatoes and garbanzo beans soybeans oh. um you know i'm trying to think of some of the ones that people associate with like kind of healthier foods. Yeah, yeah. Um, avocados, yeah. Right. So, you know, I can't, I don't eat avocado. I don't eat coconut. I don't eat chickpeas. I don't eat soy. Um, most wheat I will stay away from, but some some varieties are okay. Uh, I mean, I can send you a copy of my whole list if you're interested in it, but it's, it's um, you know, those are some examples at least. Well, I mean, to, not to simplify it too much, but it kind of looks like the software, uh, the, by your measurements, it breaks people off into, back in the day, we used to call it an ectomorph and a mesomorph, you know, a type of body, not necessarily a, a whole health type, but it does a much more refined uh, program. It's a much more refined program to get you into yeah. your niche, you know, pretty much. Yeah. Yes, and that is one of the questions or one of the observations is whether someone is a ectomorph, endomorph, mesoectomorph, etc. That's one of a few hundred uh, little mathematical calculations that will go into the, the final result. Now, now, what's the? Is there a website? Is there a, your website? Uh, the researchers' websites? You know, uh, if people want to learn more about it, they can look up Swami Genotype. That's the name of the software. Um, I think you can go on and just go through the program one time yourself. I think you can also buy a kit online and get a kind of a little bit of a watered down version if you want to do it for yourself. Um, but if you can find someone who can take you through the professional version of the software, you will get more out of it. But you, you can still obtain about 80% just doing the consumer version that you can order online and, and do your, you know, get a friend to do your measurements for you and plug everything in. And um, yeah, you can get a lot out of it that way. And it, and it works for you. Do, uh, does your entire family, is that how you guys eat? Good question. So I'm, on, I'm a nomad and my husband is a hunter. Um, for our kids, my kids, we can't really test them quite yet. We know their blood types, which is a part of it, but they, um, their bone length needs to be complete before really doing the whole um, process. 
So we make certain assumptions about foods like we know that certain foods will be off the list for them because one is a B like me and the other one is an O. Uh, we're not militant about any of this at all, but they, we do, you know, those are our general guidelines that we try to follow. Um, we're not, we don't make it difficult. <laughs> it's fun. It's fine. We just kind of shop accordingly and, um, between me and my husband, our diets are highly compatible. So we have a few differences, but, but you know, we don't eat every meal together. So we're, we're really able to do that in a harmonious way. So I was going to say, so how is your scheduling nowadays? You know, you, you can, you basically are now practicing at home and. Well, that's a good question. Um, I'm doing as much telemedicine as possible. So for any visit that I can do with a patient online, um, for any visit that it's really appropriate, I'll do it with telemedicine. If there's someone that needs something hands-on, then I will um, suit up and have them wear a mask and I'll wear a mask and I'll meet them. Like I have a couple people that I'll meet this week, a couple of um, babies that I'm going to see this week that I really just, I have to do the exam myself. I need to listen to their heart. I need to, um, I just need to be there in person for a whole long list of reasons. So, um, it's kind of cool. It's, it's a different format. It's, it's neat to see people in their home environment. Um, <laughs> I like that. It's really oh, it's as, nice. a, as a computer consultant. Yeah, I, I I enjoy going to people's houses. Really. Yeah, yeah. I love um, I love how much less I'm driving. I'm I'm about thirty minutes from our office, and um, and so it's it's really cool just to be able to sit down and log on and see a patient and help them and. And then I'm at home. It's, it's nice. Yeah. So I'm doing that. And then my kids are doing homeschool through their um, Keystone Waldorf School down in Honoka'a. Oh. So we are receiving packets of materials from their teachers every week. And so for a few hours every day, either my husband or I am um, teaching and helping our kids through their work. And then other times are running or exercising or cooking or, um, you know, seeing patients. It's washing, fun. Washing dishes and all the other stuff that we oh. have. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The dishes never end. Never. Sometimes it seems like all day. That's what I'm doing. As <laughs> soon as I'm done, breakfast already, lunch and snack and everything. And, and we eat a lot and we eat everything from home. So um, the kitchen is always busy. That's, that's good practice now. we washing our hands a lot. You know, wash our hands a lot. If, if, you, if you could smell my hands right now, they pretty much smell like bleach. <laughs> really? <laughs> Have you been doing some cleaning today or um, you well, just like I, to wash your hands with bleach? When, when the, uh, you know, the whole, you know, you need a disinfectant kind of thing, you know, uh, I, I always have bleach because running bottles, vests, 
stuff like that that need to, you know, here in Hawaii, we're blessed with mold a lot of times unless we clean things. And so the easiest sanitizer to do is a third a cup of bleach to a quart of water. So I have a spray bottle. And so now that's my default disinfectant to... You're just spraying it all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) I can see it now. I, I don't spray now. the veggie. I don't spray the vegetables, though. I'm honestly happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you? Did you hear about uh, Hibera Farms up Mono there? What they're doing? What? No, I. I mean, are you talking about just their farm stand and everything? No, 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 no. This is uh, actually a friend of mine, Carrie. Uh, she had posted it on Facebook, and I just noticed it a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Uh, I don't want to advertise it too much, I guess, but I, I think it's important. Uh, they do, you know, as you go up Mana and Mana Place, right yes. there, you know, right turn yeah. left there, their farm is right there. And if you drop off a bag and $15 cash, on uh, Monday or Thursdays, they will fill it up with fresh veggies. And you pick it uh, between 10 and 12. If you drop the bag off between 10 and 12 on Monday, you can pick it up on Tuesday between 10 and 12 and get fresh veggies and stuff. And it's to help them, you know, obviously, you know, stay alive but i think it's a great i mean it shows you hawaii how lucky we are that people will do that oh it's wonderful it's absolutely wonderful and do they have a wide assortment of vegetables oh right now it's you're getting basically uh lettuce you know like three different kinds of lettuce uh, a few onions carrots uh bok choy which is great. You know, they throw a couple of bok choy. They throw in some beets too. I have been success, uh, susceptible in the past to uh, kidney stones. So I can't really do the, the beets and stuff. I throw one every once in a while and there, you know, cut it up and do it and stuff. But yeah, it's a, it's a fair uh, uh, assortment of things and it, and they're being totally hygienic about it. You know, they're, they're, doing all good practices and everything but uh you know it's like and i know there's other places on the island that are i think are doing uh, similar things like where when you get your veggies do you grow them you don't have a garden yet at the new place do you we have a tiny garden we just got it started we had our first meal of little baby kale and lettuces a few days ago Um, but we get our vegetables wow we go to um, Mother Nature's Miracle down in Hawilo. Um, we get an order from them every week. We go to Honapua Farms right off Mana Road. We go to um, Paul and Betsy's place also on Mana Road. We go to Honapua, Honapua Farms. Yes, I think I said that already. So we make our rounds every week to as many of the local farmers. <laughs> as we can. Um, I, it's so important to support them right now, yeah. but they also have beautiful food and April is the biggest month usually for their production. 
And so it's, um, they have such an abundance of delicious food right now. So it's important. And yeah, I'm very grateful. You know, Natasha Gorsher, she's a kind of a Facebook friend, but she has a farm down south of Kona. And she had to post, uh, she posted online, how do I transport 300 pounds of sweet potatoes to families in Kona that need them? And, wow. You know, wow. She, I, I think uh, a few people, have, you know, got together and they are going to use some uh, uh, trucks, you know, just pick up trucks to get them to like the food pantry and stuff and, and Kona and awesome. everything. How wonderful. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, in the past, you know, living here, maybe we've rubbed it into the people on the mainland, especially in the wintertime. Oh, yeah, it was horrible today. It was, oh, 62 degrees. It was freezing. Freezing cold. But right. nowadays, nowadays uh, you know, I'm reluctant to even say how lucky we are sometimes because I know what friends of mine are going through on the mainland and stuff. All of so far, all my relatives and everything are more or less, you know, okay and, and you know, are, are safe. But if you had to recommend to people who, let's say, are not maybe living our lifestyle, you know, not ultra runners, not living in a warm climate, is there anything that you would recommend to them to uh, build up their immune system right now? Oh, that's such a good question. So much of it is environmental, but I think our environments really include our state of being internally. And that is something that we can cultivate no matter what the temperature is, no matter how big our apartment is, no matter how much suffering is happening around us. I think the piece that gets missed a lot is being very um, mindful of how much fear we have and how much worry and how much anxiety. And this really has some very negative effects on the immune system. These are well-documented, they're well-supported in the scientific literature. And I think no matter where you are and what you're doing, almost without um, exception, you can find a place of greater trust and relaxation. And um, I, think, I think that's the piece that's missing. Um, the lot that we can do with nutrition and fresh air and with exercise and all of those things are very important. But a lot of those are dependent on ex some external um, environment a little bit more. Yeah, things but we, we can all we yeah. can all spend less time being worried. We can all spend less time reading concerning news, um, <laughs> and we can all put our attention on things that make us feel happier. And so I think that would do a lot. That would do a lot for our um, collective immune health. Well said, well said, my gosh. Like, I, like, like I said to you before, I said to you before the, uh, the podcast, uh, you're only as smart as the people you talk to. And obviously you, you are very, very smart, you know. 
and and oh. wise wise beyond your years you're what 22 oh you're really funny that's really good i'm 48 oh my no you're not you're lying not one of those people that lies and to get into a different age group oh gosh this age group is highly competitive i think you know some of the women oh. in my age group Yes, I'm chasing and you guys just, all the time, yes. Well, I'm chasing a lot of the, uh, oh gosh, I won't even start the list of names, but there, there are some serious, uh, serious women in my age group, incredible runners. Oh yeah, incredible people too, which is part incredible of the reason people. we're, you know, I want to do the, the programs and stuff. Future, so do you have anything planned, like maybe, Besides the races that you have planned or hoping to do the rest of the year, anything planned for 2021? Not yet. You know, my goal is to show up healthy. My goal is to live a long time and get out into some beautiful wild places. I'll tell you one quick thing that I am thinking about doing and I'll, I'll, I'll keep this somewhat short, but I haven't really talked about this very much, but I have a little bit of an interest in doing as much of the trail, you know, the old trail that goes all the way around the island. Oh, yeah. I, I have a little bit of an interest in doing a special treatment of that trail and possibly raising money for restoration of it and, um, I don't know yet. I, I, when I start to think about some, and this has been brewing in my mind for a while, but um, when I think about, well, gosh, if races continue to get canceled or if I'm not able to leave the island, I wonder if I would like to just run as much of that trail as possible, but along the way have historical, um, some sort of ability to share historical aspects of the trail as I go and then raise money for um, the, I think it's Alakahakai um, yeah. trail. Yeah. So maybe yeah, I'll do something trail. like that um, trail, in the yeah. future. So I've got a few ideas like that brewing. Well, that's awesome. That's really, again, as usual, thinking outside the box and trying to make something actually happen you know we'll see we'll see i really appreciate you inviting me to uh chat with you today it's been fun to get to know you a little bit joe oh this has been great i think not not just personally for myself to be able to talk to you and talk story uh, and not be okay how you doing michelle how you doing hey good job right <laughs> But again, yeah, thank, you. Thank, thank you for your time. Uh, and again, thank you to you folks that are out there, your husband and you to be on the front lines of everything that's going on. We don't have to say anything about that, but you know, you guys, uh, you are the valuable people. You are the resource that the community needs to value, not some other foolish stuff like, no offense to running shoes or, or stuff like that, but you guys are the, the resource that we really need to cultivate and grow, certainly here on the Big Island. Thank you for saying that. 
So I'll let you go. I, like I said, I warned you earlier, I'm gonna go up to the right here and click on more. And then once I click on remove, you're gonna be digitally gone. Hi. So say aloha, thank you so much. Aloha, thank you so much. Well, there you have it. Uh, my goodness gracious, how lucky are we to have uh, Michelle Suber, Dr. Michelle Suber, today at uh, our little uh, program here. Quite an extraordinary person, um, you know, a medical family, uh, raising kids, certainly under trying times. Um, just her, her outlook on life, I think, is just super great. I mean, the positivity that she uh, exudes is totally real. Uh, and uh, other people that know her, uh, Candace and Rob, hopefully, you know, you're listening. I'll probably put you guys in the, uh, a, a link in the podcast here too, so that you can check out Michelle's uh, little talk here today with us. But yeah, I can't thank her enough. Uh, everybody here on the island, we are lucky to have her as one of the people that we have here as uh, I'm lucky to have her as a friend and somebody that I can see at the races and certainly as a neighbor I guess we talked a lot about our little neighborhood here but again if you want to uh, I'll try and find out that link for Michelle's uh, program which I think was uh, Sammy Genotype which I'll try and find that and I'll put that in the show notes too but if you want to support uh, our little broadcast here, you can either subscribe to us on YouTube uh, or uh, you know, you, if you search for Big Island Hawaii Ultra, we'll come up either in YouTube or in uh, iTunes or actually on Stitcher and stuff now. The audio part of the broadcast will be up there. And subscribe. You can also go to uh, our donation site, which is www.patreon.com forward slash Hawaii Ultra. That's Patreon, P A T R E O N. And you can always email me at uh, joe at joefireball.com. And again, any comments that you put on the video are appreciated. Any likes and stuff are great. Anything that you want to see on the podcast, uh, please let me know. We have more and more interviews coming up. I'm lucky enough to know a few people. So we're hoping to get uh, a few, uh, uh, certainly a lot more. Uh, I want to focus on the Big Island people because it's important, I think, to honor your, your ohana and your own community. So I hope everybody is uh, staying safe, doing a responsible thing when they're out there uh, exercising. And uh, to those of you uh, who are, in the medical profession or in the service professions uh, such as keeping our stores open keeping our hospitals going um, keeping us healthy at this stage of our lives um as they say here on, as we say here in hawaii so thank you so much